Well, I was going to preach something tonight. I think God wants me to say something else. God's been good. He's been faithful. He's been everything we ever needed. And he's been more than that. And I love him. The truth is tonight, and I'm going to go over here. If you don't mind, preacher, I might, I might sing something. But uh, the truth is, and I, I'll just be perfectly honest with you tonight. When, when, when you're at the end of a meeting like this, you, you, you have a tendency to get tired and you have a tendency to be weary. And uh, be honest with you, I've been, I've been trying to get hooked up with the Lord since the beginning of the service. And, and I, oftentimes I prayed it and it just, I don't know, I, just, I came in here tired tonight, preacher. And, and I didn't want to come up here as a cold Christian and preach. And I had prepared, I had a message, I've been trying to preach this message since Sunday night that I've been trying to preach, the one that I had ready here tonight. And I guess God was reminding me tonight of my frailty as a preacher and as anything I think I am as a Christian. And this song I've been singing, it was, was, I, I don't even remember where I heard it at first, I may have heard it on YouTube, and it's just a reminder for us I had a preacher friend that was in an accident. He was coming back from a Christian football camp and that we both were at, and he was T-boned in the side on his way halfway back home. He stopped for some gas, and he got back on the road, and somebody hit him, smashed his car, shattered his pelvis, and I believe it's three or four different places. Just absolutely broke. He thought he was going to die. Another preacher friend, Brother Parker, Brother Parker was your pastor down in Lubbock, Texas, Dr. Bob Parker, just so happened on that scene, and he, he, thought it, he thought he was dead. He said he was the first one there, and he grabbed his head and just, just started to beg God to take care of Pastor Baker. And God brought him through it, and he heard me sing this song, but he, he was walking around a long time with a walker and with a cane. And he heard me sing this song, and he said, I think if the Lord just wanted to remind me that I couldn't even walk without him holding my hand. And church, I think it's a good reminder for us And if nobody else for this preacher tonight, because I felt weary and I was worn out when I walked into this room. Now, God's given me angel food since I've been here. Well, I thought number one would surely be me. I thought I could be what I wanted to be. I thought of myself as a mighty big man. But Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. The mountains too high and the valleys too wide. That's where I learned 
to stand Cause Lord I can't even walk Without you holding my hand Well I thought I could do A lot on my own And I thought I could make it All alone And I thought I could build On my life's sinking sand But Lord, I can't Without you holding my hand Lord, I can't even walk Without you holding my hand The mountain's too high And the valley's too wide Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. So I'm learning to lean, learning to lean, I'm learning to lean on Jesus. And I'm finding more power than I'd ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus, cause I need thee, oh I need thee. Savior, I come to Thee. See, it's down on your knees. That's where you'll learn to stand. Cause I can't even walk without Him holding my I right, turn to Matthew chapter number 20. I promise you we will not be long, but Matthew chapter number 20. I believe is the passage there. May God ever remind us that he is our sustainer and we need him more than we need anything else in this life. Matthew chapter number 20. God's been faithful. He's been so good to us. He's been more than we could ever, ever imagine him being. Verse 29 of Matthew chapter number 20. You can stand with me. 
Matthew chapter 20. The Bible says, and they departed from Jericho, the great multitude followed him, and behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. And when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the Bible says, And Jesus stood still. For the first time that we know of, the son stands still. And I don't mean the thing that's glowing in the morning sky or that sets in the western sky at night, but the S-O-N son stood still. The Bible says he called unto them and said, what will ye that I shall do unto you? And they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Oh, how we need our eyes open tonight. And so Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. With God's help tonight, I want to focus on that little phrase, Jesus stood still. Father, we thank you for your goodness tonight. We thank you for your touch. We thank you, Lord, how you've already met with us and how you've already been in our presence, Lord. It's evident that you're here. Lord, I don't want to take anything away from that and I don't want to try to add anything human-wise to that. Lord, it would, be, it would be foolish for me to try to do that. We know that all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One come down. And Lord, we've sensed your presence here. So Lord, I pray that you'd help your word to go forth with power and you would get glory in through this message. But God, I pray that you set a church on fire tonight and that it would be evident two weeks from now, three weeks from now, two months from now that you met with us this week. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and glory. We won't take any credit, God. It's not us. It's not my messages because it's not really my message anyways. It's your message. It's not the quartet. It's not the choir. It's not the ensemble. Lord, we just are a bunch of surrendered vessels hoping to be filled with the blessed oil of God in the Holy Ghost. And so I pray that you'd help us tonight from the scriptures. Give us lasting fruit from this meeting. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. You may be seated. There's something about this little phrase here that caught my eye several years ago as I was reading this scripture. And I thought about in my life about how many times that I have, Jesus was passing by my life and, and the truth is I was content to be close to Jesus. I was content to be in a meeting where he was working. I was content to be a part of a church where Jesus was working. I've been content to be around people that he was working in. But how many times in my life have I seriously, in the depths of my soul, wanted the Son of God just to stop and to rest where I was? And how many times have I been content to preach a message where he was just 
kind of in the place and he was just kind of amongst the preachers that were there and, and he really didn't stand still and do a mighty work in my presence. And how many times have I stood up to sing a special and you say, Brother Allen, you, yes, me, yes, the one that's here preaching a revival. How many times have we been content to stand up here as a quartet or sit at the piano and sing a song and be content with him not showing up and showing his presence to be real through us? And how many times have I stood before a Sunday school class and knew his presence wasn't on my life, but I went through the motions like I always did. And how many times have we stood before a youth group or a youth activity or a children's meeting somewhere or an Awana club or master's club knowing that he wasn't, that he was passing by. And yes, he's here because his word is here and we're going to sing about him and we're going to talk about him. But how many times has he really took notice of us and paid special attention and just said, I am going to stop and do a marvelous work in the midst of this place I wonder how many Christians are satisfied tonight with Jesus just simply being in the room but his hand not being upon them preacher I'll be honest with you I, I I've been to meetings where I and there's a bunch of preachers there and man they walk out and they say man we had a good meeting didn't we man did you hear all those good sermons and yet I've been to those meetings where we, everybody talks about the good sermons that were had and and they talk about how good of a time that we had and man did you see him do such and such man that was my favorite special over there but we knew in our heart of hearts that he did not stand still we knew in our heart of hearts that we quenched him we knew in our heart of hearts that we didn't get in the secret place with him and we weren't endued with power from on high we knew in our heart of hearts when we got up to sing that special in the flesh didn't we we knew in our heart of hearts when we picked that song because man it's going to be really it's going to show off my talents or it's going to show off my musical ability it's a it's going to show off how good we are and we know he didn't have his hand upon us while we were singing and i'm i guess i'm to the point of my preaching where I, I really, I just want him to be here and work while I'm preaching. I, I honestly want to get to the point, I'm not here, I'm not there. I, I'm not there at all. But I want to get to the place where if he's not working, that I just come off the pulpit and I just sit down. I don't remember what preacher it was. It may have been Savonarola. He was preaching and he knew he didn't have the power of God on his life. And he went back to his seat and he said, I'm not preaching until God shows up. I'm not preaching until God shows up. Y'all listen to me. The people of that church, the people of that church sat there for five hours until Savonarola felt he was filled with the Spirit of God. And God showed up and set that place on fire. And I wonder what God could do with a pastor or an evangelist that would get alone every once in a while with the Lord and say, I'm not leaving this place until he stands still. I wonder what God could do with some youth directors, some youth workers that would just simply say, 
Oh, have mercy on us, thou son of David. Have mercy upon us. And don't stop crying until he shows up. I wonder how many parents tonight who have a wayward child, they've got a wayward son or a wayward daughter, and every once in a while we talk about it and it's irritating us, and yes, it's even heartbreaking unto us, but I wonder how many of us have said, listen, I'm going to stay and I'm going to cry and I'm going to pray out until God breaks through, until God stands still and he shows up. Well, I think about Abraham when he began to argue with God. You know, in that little conversation that he had with God, he said, God, will you spare it for 50? God, will you spare it for 30? God, will you spare it for 20? God, will you spare it for 10? Do you know that when it was all said and done, God was the one that walked away? And I believe if God would have stayed there, Abraham would have prayed it all the way down to one. We need some folks that are going to begin to plead with God and cry out to him until he stands still in our midst. I'm not saying we need a performance. I'm not saying you need talent. I'm not saying you need ability. I'm not saying you need to have some social status. What I am saying is we need the sun to stand still. The, listen, folks, the mountain's too high. The valley's too wide. It's too big for us. It's too high for us. It's too grandiose for us. We can't get around it. It's, there's some things even in this room tonight that if you don't have God for, you're not going to make it one hour, one week, one month, one year. There's some things, there's some burdens, there's some heartaches, there's some struggles that if God doesn't show up, that you're not going to last another year. So the question is tonight posed to you, are you willing to call out, say, have mercy on us, God? I believe there are several things in this story. I believe, number one, I believe their cause, they realized their cause was very serious. No doubt, there's, there's some burdens on, there's some burdens in here we know about. There's some burdens here that we know about that are overwhelming, let alone some of the unspoken burdens in this room and what some people are facing right now. And you've not shared them with us and we don't know your story and you've never. But I mean, it just seems like an insurmountable thing in your life. But I'm going to tell you, you, our cause is very serious tonight. You, You understand there are problems that we're facing in this world that money aren't going to get us out of. There, there, there are problems in this world that electing the right people aren't going to get us out of. There's problems in this world that the best doctors in the world have to throw their hands up in the air and say, we don't have a clue what's going on. There's problems going on inside of some of your heads and some of your hearts that the greatest psychologists and psychiatrists, they can't subscribe you a powerful enough pill. They can't psychoanalyze you enough. You need God for your serious cause. Their cause was very serious. 
I think of the cause of reaching your nation and trying to get the Bible here, but the cause of preachers and then how we need them in your country, in my country. I wish, man, I can't, I'm staggering how many churches are closing every year and every day and how many preachers are either resigning because they're so old and no young men are taking their places. Listen, but I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to be able to shame young men into it. We're not going to be able to bribe young men into it, but I'm going to tell you what we need to do. What we need to do is, hey, have mercy on us, O Son of God, and sit Send us some preachers. Send us some spirit-filled young men of God. Why? Because our cause is serious. I'm going to tell you what will drive some of you to your knees finally is when you open your eyes and realize how serious our cause really is. You're right. It's a serious business, God's business. You look around, and some of you could look around. Some of us haven't prayed for an hour in so long. We have not sought the hand of the face of Almighty God in a long time. And there are, there are some people that are down the pew from you right now that are battling hell itself. And we have not fallen on our knees because maybe not the seriousness of our lives, but the seriousness of somebody else's life. You understand, you youth directors and youth workers, your young people are facing battles that you, you, you may know some of them, but they are facing battles you do not know. And what they need is somebody with the ability to say, have mercy on us and get Jesus' attention in their lives. Cause is very serious. Sometimes those of us that are on the front lines, we realize because we make the hospital visits and we take the phone calls at midnight and we take it when, when their drug addiction has gotten to the place where they need to just to talk to somebody before they either take their own lives or go back into their addiction. We take those phone calls. So sometimes we need, we, we're the ones we know about their burdens, but what would happen man, if we had a church full of people that said, my brother's hurting, my sister's hurting, and we need God for them instead of making fun of the teenager that's struggling and making fun of the a teenager that's going through a tough time why don't you fall on your face before God and say God could you stand still in their life instead of making fun of the brother in the church that doesn't have maybe as much as you have or maybe they have problems that you don't have or maybe they face the struggle in their life that you haven't faced and instead of looking down on them or instead of discouraging or gossiping about them what if somebody cried out and said have mercy on us old son of God and heal their lives See, their cause was very serious. And, if, and, and let me say this tonight. If you don't have a serious cause right now that's driving to your knees, you're not paying close enough attention. Because all around you are people suffering. All around you are people that are lonely. All around you are some people that have no one to talk to. And they've got nobody to bear the burdens with them. Oh, it was so amazing tonight. You look, you look in the choir as they're singing. And, I, and I, the first song the choir sang, what was that? Changed. I've been changed. And it talked about his healing touch. And there's two folks that have been to the doctor and or the hospital in the last 48 hours. And they are the ones raising their hands. Yeah. And we that are whole a lot of times, we don't see the seriousness because we're not the ones going through the struggle. We're not the ones that read the report from the doctor. We're not the ones that have filed for bankruptcy. We're not the one. And so, but listen, tonight, if you'll open your eyes wide enough, you'll see the suffering. Oh, I feel so many times the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus Christ when he, say, when he saw the people of Jerusalem and said they're scattered about as sheep having no shepherd and he wept over them. I think about the time where everybody, every little kid's favorite verses. It's John chapter 11 and verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. 
But I think about the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary and Martha had said goodbye to their brother. They had been, they had been grieving because the Lord didn't show up. They had been weeping themselves. And they said, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus, the Bible says, he had compassion on them. He wasn't crying for Lazarus. He said, listen, Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He was not weeping for Lazarus. He was weeping for Mary and Martha. And if we just look around us in the church, we would find some cause to weep and to say, Jesus, could you please stand still in my life, in her life, in his life? We need you. Not only was there cause very serious their cries were sincere their cries were sincere they cried out and said oh have mercy upon us thou son of David and he said what do you want me to do for you they said we just want to see Listen, they, their, 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 their cause was, uh, cries were sincere. They weren't trying to get a television ministry because, man, if you were blind and then we could get our eyesight back, but we could get, we could get a television ministry. We can write a book. I mean, we could get a series of books going on how to, how to open blinded eyes or how to, how to get your eyes open by Jesus and, and how to get the touch of God on your life. They said, listen, we're not concerned with anything else. We just want God to move in our life. And how we need a generation of Christians again. They said, we're not looking at making a name for Bethel Baptist Church. We're not looking to make a name for ourselves in the preaching circuit. We're not looking to make a name for ourselves as a youth. We're not looking to make a name for ourselves as a choir or ensemble, as a soloist. We just want God to show up. We just want to realize we need him and we want our cries to be sincere. You know, I believe one of the most sincere things you can do is pray for somebody else's needs over your needs. I believe, I'm a firm believer that the Bible talks about people giving of their poverty. You know, some of the, some of the most giving people that I know are people that are broke. I know, I, I know, listen, I know millionaires. I, I, I've driven some of them around and, and that have given to the Lord. And one man, one man, that's a friend of mine. He's given over $39 million to the gospel ministry. But you know, sometimes I believe some of the most sincere prayers for the hurting are people that are hurting themselves. But whatever your state is in tonight, let our cries be sincere. Do do you want God to move at this church because you want to be better than somebody else? Or do you want God to move here because you want God? Do, do, and I have, to, I have to check myself on that all the time, preacher. Do I want God to move in this revival? Do I want God to move in all the revivals that I'm in so I, so I get the big boys' attention and I get to preach at their schools and I get to preach at their nationwide, nationwide conferences? Or do I want God to move just because I want him? And I know his people are hurting and they need revival and they need encouragement and they need the help of God in their lives. And this is, by the way, why I preach the same to five people that I did to 5,000 people this past year. 
Because those 5,000 people are hurting, and those five people are hurting just the same. I've preached in churches this past year. They couldn't pay me almost more than $100 to come to their church. And I said, you know, don't worry about it. God will take care of it. And I've preached to 5,000 this year where, hey, God showed up. It doesn't matter. I just want God to work in people's lives. And I want God to keep my focus on that. And I want God to keep me humble to the place where I am not looking to make a name for Calvin Allen. I'm not looking to make a name for the Faithman Quartet. I am looking to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I know this. If he is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. And when he draws all of them to himself, he was making a reference to that, that that, that serpent on that stick back in Moses' day. And I know this, if they will look unto him, they will be healed and touched by the power of God. You know, we want, we want to baptize and get a lot of people saved because we want to make him known. We sincerely want to serve God. I believe not only was there were their cries, was their cause serious, were their cries sincere? I believe they understood that their cure was the Savior. Their cure was the Savior. I love that old song, Jesus is right for everything that's wrong in this world. Say, man, I got a heartache in my life, Jesus. Man, I'm discouraged, Jesus. I feel so alone, Jesus. Man, I feel so backslidden, Jesus. Man, I'm having trouble with my life. Put Jesus in the middle of it. Man, I, I feel let down by somebody who let me down. Jesus, he won't ever let you down. I need healing for my body. Great, Jesus. I need healing for my spirit, Jesus. I don't know if I die and I go to heaven, Jesus. I'm not sure, but I don't want to spend eternity in hell, Jesus. I feel like nobody's going to forgive me. Everybody knows what I've done, Jesus. He is the cure for your life. Maybe the reason, maybe the reason why, why you're born blind, Jesus, remember that one man, they said, they said, why has this guy been born blind, Jesus? They were trying to trick Jesus up, the Pharisees. Why is this man born blind? Is he sinned or has his, or has his, his parents sinned? Why is he blind? And Jesus said, oh, you boys don't have a clue. Yeah. This man is blind that the power of God will be made known in him. Yeah. Amen. Maybe you're blind right now because Jesus wants to show himself strong through your life. Maybe your life's falling apart right now because he's trying to get your attention and say, you weren't the one holding it together in the first place. Amen. Maybe, Jacob, not you. Somebody said the other night, I said, you're picking on Jake a lot. I said, well, just look at him. Amen. No. Maybe, Jacob, about to become Israel, he wants to touch the hollow of your thigh so that every time you walk, you remember that night where you met God and you wanted him so badly that you wouldn't let him go. Yes. In other words, you had a dependency on him that you didn't want to walk another step without him holding your hand. Oh. And he gave you that limp 
so that you could forever walk and realize that you need the touch and the hand and the blessing of Almighty God. Maybe while you're going through some things in your life, God could use it in your life to remind you that your cure is the Savior. Maybe he gave you that blindness so you could call out one day on the roadside, hey, I need you, son of David. I need you. But see, there's always some people on the side saying, hey, you just be quiet. You just be quiet. You stop talking about him. You stop praying to him. It doesn't look like it's doing any good. You stop worshiping him. Seems like your worship's in vain. It seems like it's getting worse that you're praying to him. And I'm like, you don't know who he is. Uh, you, listen, the worst thing that could happen to you as a Christian, it, the, the, to the world, the worst thing that could happen to you is you die. To the Christian, it's the best thing that could ever happen to you. And they're looking at you like, well, it seems like it's getting worse. And you're like, do you understand where I'm headed? Wait, listen, Paul said, I have a desire to partner to be with Christ, which is far better. And he said, I understand nevertheless in the flesh is more needful for you. But he said, I am in a strait betwixt two, having that desire to depart. It's far better. So if the worst comes to worst, guess what? I'll be walking on streets of gold while you're dealing with these nasty, bumpy roads. And I believe not only were their cause serious, their cries were sincere, their cure was the Savior. But when Jesus showed up, their critics were silenced. Amen. Their critics were silenced. Hey, y'all need to keep that quiet down there. All that, all that worshiping and all that hand raising and all that talking about Jesus stuff and that uh, shouting and crying over getting saved and crying over the grace of God and crying over what God can do. Y'all just need to quiet that down. But what are they going to do when Jesus shows up and begins to touch people? What are they going to say in all these teenagers today? Let me tell you, boy, I can't. All of them are going to the devil. What are they going to do when we get some teenagers that have been prayed for and love Jesus and have character in their lives? What are they going to say? Hey, what are they gonna say? Oh, look at them. They, their marriages are no better than ours. Look at them. They're fighting too. But Jesus shows up in the middle of your marriage, and all of a sudden, God begins to do a work in your life, and God begins to restore some things. Those critics will be silenced when Jesus starts answering our calls. I don't, look, at, look at that church down there. They're, they're having problems. They're not going to survive. Or here, here's, the, here's my favorite one. They're, they're not going to last without me. <laughs> we had, two, we had uh, 140, 150 people walk out in one day. And they said they'll close their doors in six months. It's been 22 years. <laughs> we might close next week, praise God, but we didn't close in six months. You know why? They weren't counting on Jesus showing up. Amen. They weren't counting on him showing up. Oh man, it seemed like they're going to. They're just seemed, well, they're going down. They're going to hell in a handbasket. Not if Jesus shows up. You say, I don't know if he's going to show up in my life. How about this? How about you just call out to him and, and, and cry out? They had no idea he was going to touch them. They had no idea if their eyes were going to be open by the time it was all said and done. All they knew is they heard that Jesus was coming by and they weren't content with just hearing the ruckus in the crowd. They wanted to know him personally. They wanted him to know them and they wanted his touch in their lives. Why? Because when he comes in, he starts touching people. The critics are silenced. Well, think about those people who must have came to Mary Magdalene after her life got changed by Jesus. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I know what you used to be. Yeah, that's the key word. Used to be. Yeah. I love that little phrase in a song where you're like, when Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Amen. I've told him to go some places a time or two where where he's headed anyways. Y'all pray for me. I'm not as spiritual as some of y'all are. What are they going to say when Jesus shows up? And I'm going to tell you, if we get a group of people falling on their face again and saying he's able, he's able. It's a little kid song. I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. And whether you get a good report tomorrow or a a bad report, hey, he's still able. That's right. (laughs) Whether the business is good or not this year, guess what? He's still able. Amen. He's able. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Some some of you are going through so much trouble and turmoil. You don't know you're saved. Can I tell you this? When he comes in... And you move out, it is the greatest thing you could ever imagine happening to you. That's right. And all those people, do you understand what they used to say about me? When I was, when I was in school, I got kicked out of my first school when I was in third grade. I know, I, know I look like an angel. Yeah. Preachers, that's shocking. Yeah. I mean, they didn't kind of kick me out. They let me spend the rest of the year in the principal's office and they said, just don't come back ever. You know? I went to my second school. It got so bad. I was in fifth grade. They used to send me, they used to send me down to the school psychologist's office. And one day, I think I was half demon possessed. One day he, he knelt down in front of me and his knees popped and I laughed for 15 minutes straight. <laughs> and he just calmly, I'll be back when you calm down. And I'm like laughing my head off. And I was like, man, if that was, if that was me dealing with me, I, I think I'd have just choked me. <laughs> I'm like, how did you not kill me right there? But I got saved in fifth grade. And the Lord began to work in my life. And uh, in my sixth grade year, I'm sorry, I got saved. I I spent the rest of my sixth grade year, God had begun to change my life. I had started preaching. I started soul winning. By the time I came back to grade seven in another school, most of my class moved with me at that same school. By the time we got back to seventh grade, I had gospel tracks taped to my locker. Every, every other day in homeroom, I was handing out gospel tracks and arguing with my science teacher that God created the heavens and the earth and not Charles Darwin's theories. Years later, I graduated from high school. On my graduation day, that school psychologist that I laughed in his face for 15 minutes, I looked in the back of the crowd before I got up to speak and he was sitting in the corner. And I began to stand up and testify about what God had done in my life and how I was going to go to Bible college and be a preacher of the gospel. And he sat back there and he just, he did this the whole time. He just said, you read my name again, Calvin? After the service, he said, he said, he's still shaking his head. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. We got together several years ago with some of the people that I graduated with elementary school and then went to junior high with and I went to the Christian school after that. We got together though for at, at, this, at this Mexican restaurant. Somebody say amen right there. But anyways, 
we got together, and I, the girl who stood next to me in class every day, her last, name was, her last name was Arndt. She was right after me in alphabetical order, and she was doing the same thing he was doing. She just, and here's what she said. I can't believe it. She said, the demon child has become a preacher. <laughs> the demon child has become a preacher. You know why? Because when my cures was a savior... The critics were silence. The same ones that thought I was crazy and headed for prison or headed to the grave like some of my other relatives are, now they criticize me because I'm too religious. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Jesus stood still in my life. He stood still. And not only that, not only does that, take a look at what your Bible says. Not only was their cause serious, their cries were sincere, their cure was a savior, their their correction was sufficient, their critics were silent. Jesus took care of them. And here's what he says. So he had compassion on them, verse 34, and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. And here it is. They followed him. They followed him. I think we can boil revival down to that little phrase right there. They followed him. They followed him. Revival is not complicated, folks. It is Jesus standing still, touching your life, and you following him. That's it. That's it. Have we been revived? I don't know. When this meeting is over, are you following him? Is my Sunday school experiencing revival? I don't know. Have you fallen on your knees and asked him to? I mean, I don't mean just God bless my Sunday school class. I mean falling on your face and son of, please, son of David, please have mercy on my class. Please help little Johnny. He's got to go home and his daddy's a drunk and his mama's an addict. And he doesn't know where his father is today. He's separated. They're about to get kicked out of their apartment, God. Could you please help Johnny? God, they're dealing with with addiction. God, could you please help them? God, I want the power of God on my preaching. Could you help me? Could you stand still? And then he shows up. And we don't brag about ourselves. And we don't brag about our ministry. And we don't brag about anything that we do. We just simply follow him. I say to you, if God's touched your life this week, last week, whenever, your response ought to be to follow him. Will you follow him? What in your life right now is stifling your call out to him? You're too busy? I wonder if these guys had a job and they would have missed Jesus. They were so engrossed in their career that they never got healed. I wonder if they, I wonder, I wonder if they, had, if they had other friends that said, let's go out fishing today. And they were, so, they were so engrossed with their extracurricular activities that they missed Jesus. I wonder if they would have just said, man, I'm so in love. And we just sit all day and make googly eyes at our girlfriends. I guess they couldn't make googly eyes since they were blind. <laughs> it's like the fellow who used his finger as a gun. He said, I looked at a guy and I said, bang, and I, and, I, and, I, and I missed him. 
And he said, bang again, and he hit him in the same place. <laughs> I wonder if they would have just had, boy, I was out, boy, I was out doing this, and I, I just missed Jesus. Boy, I was watching my favorite television show, and I missed them. Man, I was, I was too angry at the preacher, so I missed him. I was fighting with the wife, and I couldn't, I, I, mean, I mean, she was yelling pretty loud. And, uh, and so I missed Jesus. Somebody, somebody, I saw three men waving their hand to give a testimony. Can I say, do we want him to stand here? I want him here. I want him, I want him everywhere I go. I want him on my preaching. I want him on my singing. I want him on my parenting. I want him on my, when I'm with my friends. I want him as a father. Man, I, boy, I, God convicted me months ago about praying for my kids and praying for each and every one of my, my boys. Man, he convicted me about that. God convicted me one time about praying. I was, I was getting a little critical of my own pastor. I know nobody in here has ever done that. <laughs> I was getting a little critical of my own pastor. And God said, oh, yeah. Yeah, when, when's the last time you prayed for him? And I don't mean God bless the preacher. I mean, I mean like, like prayed. I mean, have mercy on us, our son of David, screaming at the top of my lungs. When's the last time you prayed for him like that? And I was like, ooh. Okay. The wife burns the biscuits, and you're like, man, I'm going to tell you. man." The husband comes in, and he does the same thing he does every day, throw his socks and underwear on the floor. And if he's a good man, he ought to throw his socks and underwear on the floor. And if yours doesn't, you got a bet. No, just kidding. <laughs> man, I'm going to tell you him. My mother told me not to marry him 56 years ago. <laughs> or you could say, you know what? I'm going to pray for my wife. I'm going to pray for my husband. Because we need God. And guess what? When he shows up, everything changes. And then we start following him. Our heads are about our eyes are closed tonight. God took us to some interesting places this week. Took us to some interesting places tonight. We didn't plan on the service going this way, and we really didn't plan on anything, but I didn't know where God was going to take this thing. I didn't plan on preaching this. I wanted to preach on the treasures of the Christian life. But God said, there's just some people who just need me tonight just to sit still in their lives. And maybe that's you here tonight. Can I invite you to come to an old-fashioned altar? Others have already started coming. and Say, God, we just need you. We sang the song, I need thee, oh, I need thee. It says, every hour I need thee. Man, I'd update that and say, man, I need them every minute. I need them every day. I need them for my kids. I need them for my wife. I need them for my fellow church member. God, forgive me for not pleading and praying with my fellow church members. God, forgive me for not praying. Listen, there's, there's a bunch of people here tonight. You can criticize the teenagers all you want to, but how, how many of us have really cried out to Jesus and say, God, could you help our teenagers? Could you bless our young people, God? 
Man, a lot of them are farther along than what I was at their age. And man, I just want God to bless them and help them. And, and man, we get on to them sometimes, but, and we tease about millennials. But I'm going to tell you, man, I, I, God has convicted my heart. I want to pray for these millennial preachers. And we get upset when they change or they go a different direction. But man, how many really of us have fallen on our knees and say, God, raise up another generation of preachers. And they may be a little different than us. And, but God, help them and keep them straight doctrinally and keep them straight on their standards and convictions and God, God help those young people. Would you help them? Maybe you're here tonight and you've never met that Jesus and he needs to, he, he, he's walking by you tonight. He is passing by your way. What can I say to you? He may never pass your way again. He may, there's no guarantee he's coming down the road again. If I were you, the Bible says, call upon him while he is near and he's here tonight. With, without a doubt on the I would stake my call to preach on he's already showed up here tonight and he's passing each and every aisle and he's passing each and every pew and he's wondering who needs to call out to him for salvation tonight maybe you're here tonight and say brother Allen could you pray for me I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior Never have called upon the name of the Lord. But the Bible says, for whosoever, that means you, that means me, that means Pastor Fury, that means Jeff, Paul, Jake, uh, Calvin, any, anybody over here, it means a whosoever. God is a whosoever God, and he will save you if you will call out to him and say, have mercy on me. Maybe you're here tonight. We'd love to take a Bible, take the word of God, and show you how he could be your correcting savior. I've often wondered what would happen if a church full of people would just say, I need you. I need you, Lord. I want you to show up. I need you in my life. And then follow him. Just follow him. I wonder if there'd be somebody here tonight that you say, you know what? God is calling me to give my life to Jesus Christ. God is calling me to give my life to Jesus Christ. Would you right where you sit, make your way and make your decision for God? I won't point you out. I won't ask you to raise your hand. I won't even know why you're coming. But I know this. Maybe God is having somebody in this room tonight saying, finally, you know what? I've lived my life without him. I've tried my own way. I'm going to try it his way. I'm giving my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe somebody in a meeting like this would say, God's maybe calling me and dealing with me about the mission field. Nobody said anything about it, but maybe God's dealing with you about that. Maybe God's dealing with some of you about getting on that bus route. And you've, you've had compassion. You've been looking out. You've been seeing. You've been, you've been wanting to do something. But God's calling you tonight. And he's dealing with your heart. And you finally are going to surrender and say, okay, Jesus, I, I, if you'll go with me. Like Joseph, Lord, if you'll go with me, if your presence go not with me, I don't want to go. But if you'll go with me and you'll be here, Jesus, and you'll stand still, I'm going to do it with you. I'm doing it with you, Jesus. Whatever the Lord's done in you tonight, don't quench him tonight. Don't quench him tonight. Don't take away from what he's doing in your heart tonight. Don't hold back on him. This is the last night of revival. There ain't nothing to hold back on. There's nobody to impress tonight. It's us and Jesus tonight. May he stand still in our presence.